sisters, it is a great privilege to be back on U.S. soil from Kuwait. I've longed to be with the, the Primitive Baptists again. As I mentioned, I've missed the singing and fellowship as I've been away, so it's truly a privilege to be with y'all. I wanted to, to share a quote I always kind of think about when I come up to the pulpit. as written by John Knox. I've never once feared the devil, but I always tremble in the pulpit. Let us pray. Precious Father, I heavenly come before you, Father, in need of grace. I pray, Father, that you would give me the words through scriptures that your truth can be declared, Father, that the precious truths found in your holy word that we've been given the privilege, Father. I pray that you would help to keep our hearts and minds focused on thee, Father. We pray these things in the name of your precious Son, in Jesus' name. Amen. While I was deployed, I was privileged to read a lot of different books, commentaries, and scriptures of the Bible. I always I felt like managed to keep going back to the prodigal son. It's a very beautiful parable found in scripture. And I've had friends, I think dear elders and friends, and people tell me oftentimes the most quoted scriptures or the most known scriptures are often the most misunderstood. So I feel this is a very beautiful parable, and I would like to spend some time as we review it. Oftentimes, like I said, you would not go into a movie series or a television series halfway through the program and try to give context and meaning behind the movie or the television show. The same should be done with scriptures. We often need to understand the context, the content, and then the author. So I feel oftentimes people will try to start at certain scriptures and places instead of the very beginning. In Luke 15, I would like to start there. And I think one important thing is, is, is to understand when we read the parables is that they are not all allegories. The Master, our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, the wonderful, the perfect teacher, when he taught parables, if it was an allegory, he told us what the allegory was. The sower and the seed. I mean, he let us know. But I feel like a mistake that is often done by people when they read parables is they say, well, if this one was an allegory, then they all have an allegory meaning to it. So they try to apply certain allegories or concepts that are not there in, in Scripture. And sadly, I see this not only with the parables, but all of the books of the Bible. And most commonly, I've seen it done in the, the book of Revelation I had a friend I was deployed with. He asked if I read the book of Revelations. And I said, my dear brother, if we can't get the name of the book right, I don't think we need to go into deep detail on the book. <laughs> but it's one important thing. I said the key to understanding the prodigal son 
is not starting with the two sons, but is starting at the very beginning of the scriptures. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. This is the powerful context of understanding and drawing out the true meaning of the prodigal son, which I even think the title, after we are done, would not be truly the the prodigal son. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. As we see here, Jesus goes on to tell a series of parables, the first being the sheep, the one sheep out of 99. He goes on to tell a series, and these aren't to be taken one by one. I should not just take the the parable of the lost sheep and try to make an allegory and try to draw meaning and context. Sadly, there is a contemporary Christian song I think is heretical when it talks about this parable saying reckless love. And I've heard that with reckless love comes reckless theology. So it's very important that we take all these parables together. And we see that the likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. And we move on to verse 8. Either what women having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she finds it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I have lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. We see in the first parable, it's one out of 99, 1%. Then we move on, it's 10% of her wealth, one piece of silver out of 10. And the next parable is two sons. A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, beautifully teaches. He is trying to make the son so unappealing to the Pharisees. Oftentimes, when do we inherit our wealth is sadly is when a loved one passes away. He's trying to make so unappealing. He is saying pretty much to the son is saying, I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance. I want what is owed to me. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together 
and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substances with riotous living. And we could see that Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees about Israel. They had left the land of, he's leaving the land of promise. It doesn't even list the name of the country. It doesn't matter. He left the covenant land of promise. And when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself a citizen of that country. And he sent himself into the fields to feed swine. And he would have fain and filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave it unto him. And when he came to himself, this looks like repentance. How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare that I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of those hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but he was yet with a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Oftentimes we I see people when they read the scriptures Sadly, it's, I've, I've heard this analogy, and it's, it's sad but true, is people often read the scriptures as if we are looking like at a yearbook. So people will tend to go to a yearbook, look at the back pages, what pages, where am I at? And am I, you know, they want to find themselves. So people tend to read the story, read these parables, well, where do I fit like into the story? Am I the... The prodigal, I've wandered away. Am I the father? Is how much love I have for my son I was able to forgive? We try to look at those parts. But we are not the prodigal, and we are not the father. Now his elder son was in the field, and he came and drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing And we see the party here, but we know there is a bigger party in heaven over one sinner that repents. And he called one of the servants and he asked what these things meant. And he said unto them, thy brother is come and thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound. And we see in verse 28, and the older brother went to the father 
and rejoiced and sang and danced and celebrated because his brother came home. But that should be the proper response from what we see from the first two parables. The first two parables, they rejoiced on the sheep. They rejoiced about the wealth. But on the third parable, we see a stark contraction on how he, on the, on the response that the older brother had. And he was angry. And he would not go in. Therefore, come his father out and entreated him. And he answered, said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never givest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends, not with the father. He did not want fellowship with the father. The strong emphasis was placed with my friends. And we see a strong salvation by works. I have lived. I was the good son. I stayed at home. Look at, look at him. Look at that boy in the fields. He stayed with his daddy, working in the fields, taking care of everything, following his daddy. He loves his father. No, he doesn't. He does not love the father. He does not love the things that the father loves. He does not rejoice in the things that the father rejoices in. And this is the point Jesus was trying to make is he was making it to the Pharisees. How often have we seen someone said, well, why has this happened to me? I have not been bad. Why am I struggling with the sickness and other people get to live? Why did my marriage fail? Why did this happen? Why can this family have kids and this married couple's been trying for years? We see that we are the elder brother. We often make statements or proclamations and stuff like that. But as soon as this, thy son was come, which haven't devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed him for the fatted calf. And he said, son unto him, son, thou art with me. The father saying, you have me. Look everywhere around you. He already divided the wealth. The other son already got his portions of his inheritance. The father is saying, look around. All this is yours. You had me. You had the fellowship with me. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad for this. Thy brother was dead and is alive again. And was lost and is found. We see a beautiful story of repentance. There was repentance for the prodigal. I mean, the warning, the parable is not saying don't be a prodigal. But as we see, there was no hope for the older brother. Just as we have no hope outside of Christ, we have no hope. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none that seeks after God. 
Our only hope, as the Apostle Paul says, is to have a righteousness found in Christ, not in ourselves, not in our sinful natures. Our best attempts will be as filthy rags as before God, just as the older brother was proclaiming, I have followed the law. But we are all guilty of God's law, and our only hope is in Christ Jesus. And then I want to share one last story before I leave. When I was stationed in Missouri, I was very blessed to have a Bible study with a dear friend of mine. He was of Japanese descent, and he was telling me a beautiful story about his mother. His mother was stricken with cancer, and he was taking her to the doctor to help translate, to kind of help translate what the doctor's prognosis and the treatment plans were. My friend said he sat in the doctor's office as the doctor was saying that the cancer was, it was fatal, that there was no more that could be done, that, that you will die from this cancer. And that the prognosis, it was, it was not a long time. And my buddy said as the doctor was explaining her condition, her terminal condition, as he was explaining, she sat there smiling, happy. And then my friend said he had tears running down his eyes. And he said after his, you know, the doctor stepped out, he he said, Mother, I don't think you understood the doctor correctly. The doctor said you're dying. There's no treatment. And my friend said she smiled and said, I have served a great God. I'm going home. I'm going home. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. And then one last by John Newton as the, the beloved hymn writer who wrote Amazing Grace as he was dying on his deathbed. He said that my memory is quickly fading, but I am sure of two things. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Proverbs 29 verse 18 where there is no vision the people perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he where there is no vision the people perish This can be applied within a nation, within a country. This can be applied within a family. A husband, a wife, lose vision of the commitment of what marriage is. And it says that the people perish. But it also can be applied to the church where there is no vision, the people perish. I'd like to look at it from the standpoint of the Lord's church. I realize that the Lord teaches us in Psalm 127 verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, 
They that labor in vain, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. Yes, it takes the Lord to build his house. But the Lord uses people to build his house. He puts it in the hearts of individuals. He blesses them with the desire. He blesses them with the gifts and the abilities. The Lord is the one that gets all the credit and all the glory for building the house. But he oftentimes uses people to do it. Sadly, we could reference many, many examples. We'll reference one particular example that many of you may be familiar with. I'll mention Hopewell, New Jersey. The third oldest primitive or old school Baptist group in America that was established long before the United States of America. 1715. It came out of the old Welsh Track Church just about 33 miles north of us here at the Delaware-Maryland line that actually came over from Wales in 1698 and then had several churches that came off of that Welsh Track Church, the old London Track group as well. As you walk through the building and admire the construction that was built in the 17-1800s, a building that would house probably 300-400 people if it was packed out, you realize that God at one point in time blessed some folks with a vision. You walk around the outside and you see the beautiful brick structure. Certainly in its day, even today, it still stands as a monument and a testimony of a witness from the Lord. But then you walk around the cemetery. The last count that we were aware of, there were over 1,600 graves. All of the folks that are buried in the cemetery were somehow affiliated with the church, the the body of believers that were there. We've been told that there are soldiers that have been from from every war that have represented the country since the Revolutionary War that are buried in that cemetery. John Newton was ordained, not John Newton, uh, John Gano was ordained out of the old Hopewell Church. Elder John Gano was a personal friend of of George Washington. Elder John Gano was a personal friend of George Washington. And in the Baptist Church in New York City, there are two portraits that are painted there. One is of Elder Gano baptizing George Washington at the end of the Revolutionary War. Another one is of Elder Gano 
having a prayer, thanking God for his mercy and blessing at the end of the Revolutionary War. Lots of history in that one location. But then you walk around the cemetery and you realize that it no longer is an active meeting place that maintains a testimony of the Lord. Now, I am not saying, nor do the scriptures say, that this one area is what causes the decline of a church all the time. There's many, and many in the book of Revelation as well. It addresses our slothfulness. It it addresses us losing our first love. It addresses us not seeking first the kingdom of God. All of those can be attributes of leading us to a decline in the church or even being drawn away and enticed by other, other, uh, other uh, teachings than the truth of Jesus Christ and the, the gospel of God's sovereign grace. And all of that can add to a decline, a lack of interest. But as I walk around the building and Sadly, I could go to multiple places and have through the years. Warwick, New York, Southampton, New Jersey, uh, Roxbury, New York. Many places where the same experience has occurred. And I walk around the cemetery and I think, what happened to the vision of the church? Now, it may be that the vision was not passed down to the children. Could be. We met with a little group of folks up in New York State. Three elderly sisters, I say elderly, they were in their mid-80s. They said, when we grew up, church wasn't for children. In fact, we were discouraged to attend. We shouldn't be surprised if the children don't share the same vision. If they're not encouraged in the Lord's house. I'm so excited when I see Camden come with Sister Anita. It reminds me of the early days, my first memories of going to church with my grandparents and my great-grandparents. And those were great, great blessings to me. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be here today. I know the Lord could have worked it out a different way. But in my case, He did it through grandparents. And He did it through great-grandparents. And so there is a tremendous impact That God blesses in that way. It may be that the vision was lost. Maybe the preachers just got too old. And worn out. Or they got discouraged. It's very possible that they became discouraged and overwhelmed. And they lost sight of the purpose of the church. Very possible. 
I have to tell you, I, I want to be an optimistic individual, but sometimes I find that, that I'm not. The other day I was on a conference call with, uh, this wasn't church-related, but work-related, and there were several individuals on the call, and this one individual, uh, her role is uh, marketing, and I just sat back and I listened, and, and, and I was so encouraged because she was encouraged. And I realized that when I heard somebody that was so positive and encouraged, all of a sudden, it made me realize how discouraged I was. And after the conversation, I said, I'd like to share something with you. I said, I was blessed to know an individual. And I said, she just recently went home to be with the Lord at 104 years of age. And I said, one of her special gifts, and that's Sister Perry. One of her special gifts is that of being an encourager. And I said, I want to share that with you because I want you to know that I've just been encouraged by you. And that's a gift that God has blessed you with. To encourage other people. Now, this last year, I have to say, I'm one of those that signed up for 2021. I was so much looking forward to 2021 because 2020 was a super difficult year. I think about folks like John Karpinski who said, our life hadn't changed at all. We live near a playground, and our life hasn't changed at all. I have to say, almost everything in my world changed, and it wasn't for the better. One of the blessings that Mount Carmel has had here is that even as a church body, we've been involved through the years with a desire and a blessing to be able to reach out and witness to other folks. Many of you here, I remember Brother Mark had a 15-passenger van and he would t- carry 17 people in his 15-passenger van to, Hope- to Hopewell and Southampton. And as a result of that, God blessed those labors. And years later, a little church started that's still there today called the Southampton Primitive Baptist Church. And when I see the labors of Brother Andy and I see the calling of Brother John and God using those folks, I thought, I think back and I think, it started just with a little handful of folks and some folks that had a vision. Over the past year, through circumstances that couldn't be prevented from our perspective, we, Brother Chad asked about the little group in New York. We had plans to go up there. Some of the wonderful experiences that we had. Remember Mike and Katie, that's when the Lord just really fast forwarded their relationship. Was through one of those little New York trips. But there were many, many blessings through that time. And over the years... That opportunity over the last year, that opportunity began to close. First of all, we weren't allowed to meet in the location that we had met with. 
And then the folks, and understandably so, one by one, begin to move to Georgia, to Florida, to Princeton, New Jersey, and that core group that was there is not there any longer. We spent nine years going up there trying to encourage those folks and feel like that God was in the matter to do it. The very same thing happened with the little group out in New Mexico. We had an open door, two little groups that were meeting out there on a regular basis. The place that we were meeting had been given restrictions by the governor of New Mexico and the trustees of the building said, we do not have the authority to allow you to meet here and we don't know when that will open back up. There were other concerns, even of travel and flying in. Maybe that group will revive, maybe it won't. But there can be experiences that we experience in our life that can cause our vision to get dim. And we ought to do every single thing we can to have the right vision. My mother has an eye disease that once a month she goes right up here in Bel Air and gets shots in her eyes just to keep the vision that she's got to try to maintain it. We, all of us, should pray that God would bless us with the right vision. Sometimes my thinking gets discouraged. Years ago, there was a, uh, a motivational speaker named uh, Zig Ziglar. I mean, whether you've heard of him or not, but uh, a good name for a motivational speaker, I'd say. But he would oftentimes say, there's no place for stinking thinking. That kind of stuck with me. And sometimes my thinking gets that way. And it can affect myself and it can affect other people. I want to sign up to be more like Sister Perry. Now, Young folks oftentimes have a great zeal and an enthusiasm. And what a blessing when that is, that energy is pointed in the right direction. But sometimes older folks, when we get a little bit older, we, we tell folks all the reasons that it won't work. You know, sometimes we feel like we are God's gift to be able to squelch the enthusiasm and desire of everybody else. And did you know that that is destroying the vision that God can bless us with? Brother Polk told my mother years later. He said there were several of us that were talking around and he said, he said, we hated to tell Brother Stephen, we didn't want to discourage him, but we really didn't think anything would ever come out of that work up in Southampton. 
but we just didn't tell him. My grandmother had a massive stroke on one side and was paralyzed completely. My grandmother, this was back in the 60s, she began to walk again, having one good leg, one good arm. She began to walk again. She began to cook again. She began to write with her left hand. She'd never been left-handed. Began to write with her left hand. And she even began to drive the car. I was her passenger and they referred to me as her right-hand man. Well, she didn't have a right hand that worked. So anything she needed done with her right hand, I was the gopher to go do that. Years later, my granddad told me. He said, when your grandmother had the stroke, he said, the doctor told me that she would never walk again. But he said, you know what? I just never told her that. If I'd have told her, she probably wouldn't have walked again. But I never told her. My granddad farmed out in the country, out in some old dry land, dust farming. I mean, it was, it was not a real pleasant experience, probably a lot of the time. We went out there one day to take granddad lunch, and grandmother was driving out in the field, and, and the car got stuck in the sand, and here was grandmother and I, who couldn't walk with just a few feet with a walker, and a little five-year-old boy. We sat there for hours. We didn't have cell phones back then, anything like that. Pretty soon, before dark, my grandmother sent me out just to walk down the turn row and walk down the road until somebody would come along and find this little five-year-old boy wandering out in the country. My grandmother did an awful lot because she was convinced that she could. She used to say, have the saying, where there's a will, there's a way. Now I know that God has to bless with the will and God has to bless with the way. There's a story that I like. I'll share with you. In 2 Kings chapter 6. It it talks about uh, the Israelites and the Syrian army and Elisha, the prophet. Basically, you can read it here in in chapter 6. And it talks about that the enemy, the Syrian army, was sent to, uh, they were sent to uh, apprehend, to capture Elisha. And it said that, um, I'll just read a few verses here in verse 13. And he said, go and spy where he is, talking about Elisha, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothian. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. This is talking about the enemy, the horses and the chariots and the great host. And they compassed the city. They came out at night. They compassed the city. And it says, and when the servant of the man of God was risen up early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with his horses and chariots. 
And the servants said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? I want to tell you that if you look around right now, it's going to look like that there is a tremendous host against you. It really is. In the day in which we're living, my TV quit working. And you know what? That's been a blessing. Probably all I need to do is call Comcast and have it rebooted. But I've enjoyed not having it. Because there's just not a whole lot of good news that's on there. If you look around, you'll be really quickly discouraged. When you look around and you see the enemy. When you see Satan rearing his ugly head. When you see the direction that our country is going. I was sent by a church member about the Equality Act. It sounds good on the surface, but you go and read it. I guarantee you, if that passes, we can't preach the way that we preach right now. What the whole Bible and the complete counsel of God is. Because tucked into there, we'll be, we may experience... We may experience persecution for what we understand the scriptures to teach. I do not believe that God has given me the authority to marry two men or two women. I don't believe that. I was told several years ago there's there's someone that may ask you to marry them. I'm thankful that they didn't because I would have clearly declined that. God has blessed marriage to be between one man and one woman. That's how God designed it. And nobody can come along and change that. Now, the individual that sent it said, uh, uh, you should call your senator or you should call your representatives and you should state your case and you should state your position. I always thought that's that's higher up than what I am, but it sometimes does work. It really does. I'll share a personal experience. We were signed up in our facilities with Walgreens to administer the vaccine. And then on a Friday evening at 530, Walgreens called and said, we are pulling that commitment. You'll hear from the county and they'll sign you up. And after a few weeks, we never heard from anyone. We called the county over and over again. They said, we don't have COVID vaccines available. And I thought, I know they do because they're giving shots not too far down the road. So one of our employees said, I have a connection at a senator's office. Let me make a phone call. And she called. And within three hours, we had a schedule for the vaccine for the residents and staff. So sometimes it does work. I'm telling you that from the standpoint, you research that one article and you pray that God will give you wisdom on that. And you may want to call and express your concern for that. You sure might. Because it's going to directly affect the church. If we look around, it could look like that the enemy is super big and bigger than we are. And it'd be really discouraging. It really would. It would. Most old Baptists, all they want to do is just meet together and worship God freely, without any hindrances. To be able to sing the hymns of Zion, to be able to fellowship to be able to encourage one another, to be able to help one another. And that's all that they want to do is worship God and serve their life together. So look what happened here. The servant said to the master, what are we going to do? The enemy is much bigger than what we are. 
We're living in 2021. We're living in difficult times. We're just a little band of believers. And the enemy's much bigger than what we are. Look what he said. Elisha said, Fear not. You know what? No matter whatever comes after that, that's pretty good news for somebody that's fearing. A lot of God's people are fearful right now. I want you to see what he says here. This is really good. And he answered and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. He lost the vision, the right vision. Look what he says right here. Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and he says, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And it says, and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and he said, smite this people, I pray thee with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. Elisha says to the young man that's fearful and overwhelmed, that's looking around at the enemy and looking how large they are, what an impact that they can have. He says, young man, don't you fear Because number one, you've got God on your side and God has a host of army that's far bigger than what the enemy is that you can see. And I can truly believe that God still there's nothing that's changed with God. God is still God. God knows all things. God is in charge. God has all power. God still has angels that are working behind the scenes. God has angels that are protecting you and I today. And I tend to believe that there's more that are for us than there is that's against us. And I believe we have that through the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe we do. If I didn't believe that, I'd close up shop. I'd head south. I'd probably make it at least as far as North Carolina. Might even keep going. Might even land up in Texas. There's more for us than there is against us. Now let me share this. I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about Mount Carmel. I'm talking about Columbia. I'm talking about Old Carroll, Wilmington. When this country was set up, before the country was founded... The Lord had a witness in this area. He did. He had a witness from Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, Virginia. All in this area was where the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ was proclaimed. And then the Lord blessed that the country came along after the church did. The church was here and the church had a witness in this part of the country. The church did. And has continued that witness for over 300 years. Wow. What a great blessing. But I tell you, if there was ever a time. I know God's in charge and God's in control. 
But if there was ever a time there needed to be a witness in this part of the country, it's right now. Now, one of these days, we may load up as a church and move to another area. We might. Through persecution, we may not have any choice. But until then, I'm praying that the Lord's going to revive the church over and over and prosper the church. And I'm praying that the God, that the Lord will give us a vision and a witness for it. Now I know that this verse isn't talking necessarily solely about a prophecy or a direction. It's talking about right now. Sister Anita took some drastic measures to make her vision a whole lot better. And sometimes we need to take some drastic measures to make our spiritual vision better. And it's by studying God's Word and claiming His commandments and His promises. And He says that if we do that, we'll be blessed and we'll be happy. I pray God will open our eyes and bless us to see that there's more that are for us than there are that are against us. I'll share a couple of verses and wrap it up. Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another. Help us to help each other. Let us consider one another. And to provoke. I had two younger sisters and we grew up in the back seat of a Volkswagen car. There was a whole lot of provoking that went on between the three of us. And we were chastised for it often. That's not the type of provoking he's talking about right here. It's a positive provoking, encouraging. He says, and let us provoke unto love and unto good works. means I believe it means encourage, admonish. Not forsaking. This is really, really important. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. In the day in which we are living, we need to be able to encourage one another in the Lord. And that's what he's talking about right there. Brother Mark and I had a really good friend. Visited the church here two times over the last 30 years. He and his wife. Elder Vernis Stanlin. He died a few months ago as the result of struggling with COVID. I felt like it was an early death. He was 75, but he was more like a 60-year-old. I wanted to go to the funeral. We had outbreaks in several facilities, and I was not able to. But I watched his funeral online that Brother David Piles preached. And as he described the life of Elder Vernon Stanlin, and it was so very appropriate. 
He said, Elder Stanlon was blessed by God to be a joy generator. He never got involved at all in the schisms and divisions that were going around in the country. He promoted fellowship and all the folks of this faction or that faction were welcome to worship there and did. He encouraged the young folks. In the last few years, they would have the gathering of young folks and have two to three hundred people that would attend the young folks. And he was known as a joy generator. I thought he died early. I know I'm not in charge of anyone's life, not even my own. I thought we still needed him around. God had other plans for him. But he finished his course even in old age. The very same way that he lived his life. He went about encouraging others to the very end. Brother Mark has one of the last texts that he sent out. And he was basically on his deathbed, yet it was an encouraging text that he sent. He lived his life and he died as a joy generator. Elder Compton was another one. Elder Compton said that somebody knocked on his door one day and was a minister from another area and he wanted him to sign this document that would bar certain ministers from traveling up in his part of the country and preaching. And Elder Compton said, I don't have a good conscience about that. And he responded to the individual and he said, don't ask me to hurt anybody. If I can help somebody, I'm happy to do that. I pray that we can have the right vision no matter what's going on around. No matter how discouraging times get, I pray that we'll have a vision not of what's going on around us, but of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that we'll be used to encourage folks to encourage one another and especially to encourage the young people. And I pray that God will bless us to, if He blesses us with a vision like He did Elder Stanlin, to carry that vision until He passed from this life, that He'll bless us to take that vision and pass it on to others. And that if God is pleased, that it just might be that more men are raised up to preach the gospel here. That it just might be that we'll have in-gatherings. That it just might be that the church of Jesus Christ that was established here in 1934 will be a witness for another hundred years unless the Lord comes back.
I pray that God will bless us with the right vision, with a clear vision, with a positive vision for the church of Jesus Christ. I mentioned last week that I feel like that there's a better day coming. I do. And I think and pray that it's here now. May God bless you.